but uh, I'll be sharing with you in just a few minutes. But Shane has some lots of exciting things to share with us when he gets back, and he'll be speaking two weeks from today. And we're going to be talking about vision. That's the big things. Vision Sundays, communicating uh, lots of great things ahead. We're talking about the building program. We're talking about new groups that are getting formed. This is going to be an incredible year at Mountain View Fellowship. We're really excited about it, and uh, you'll want to be a part of all that. I uh, also want to mention to you, coming up this coming Saturday is something special for men. And uh, guys, we would like to be growing and uh, focusing on how we can be godly men. And that doesn't just come, you know, out of our head. It comes out of, you know, being in fellowship with other godly men and getting principles from God's Word. So we have a great new series. It's called Men's Fraternity. And we're kicking it off next Saturday morning. Here's the, here's the problem. For some of you, this is really easy. But for, I was talking to somebody after first service, and they go, I'd love to come, but it's 6 a.m. It is 6 a.m., okay? And I struggle with that as much as anybody in the world. I promise you that. But, but I'll be here, okay? Wayne, I'm going to be here 6 a.m. I may not be awake, but I will be here. Um, okay, okay. Very good. Strangely enough, and I, I do, I hate mornings and don't do well in the mornings, but I used to, I used to do uh, a radio program many years ago that started at 6 o'clock in the morning. It was a Christian radio station, Rise and Shine, and I would uh, bust in there and uh, say, good morning, everyone, and then sleep during the songs that I played. So <laughs> but anyway, uh, let, let's move on. Uh, I'm excited because this is this is just going to help us as men get a good perspective on how to be godly men. And the perspectives in this men's fraternity have been through it before. It's just fantastic. You're really going to profit from it this year. So we're having a big breakfast. Uh, Wayne's cooking a bunch of stuff up. He, he even said bacon. Bacon is going to be cooked next week. So that's going to be really exciting. And uh, if you'd sign up, that'll help us just to know what we're buying for and all that kind of stuff. So there's sign-up sheets. In fact, speaking of sign-up sheets, there's a lot of sign-up sheets out there. So find the right one to sign up for uh, next Saturday morning starting at 6 a.m., okay? Be very, very good. And uh, then I wanted to mention uh, we're doing prayer because as we're kicking off this new year, and it's very, very important. It's like, Lord, we think you're giving us great things to do, but, man, that stuff has to be just we got to bathe all this in prayer. So we're launching into a huge year around here, and we want to do a concerted effort of prayer. So we're asking that we can do continuous prayer. We're going to do this at the end of this month. It starts off, uh, I think it's the 24th of January. We're going to do a worship service on a Friday night, and then right after, we're going to go straight through. You don't stay the whole time, but you're going to sign up for a half-hour segment if you would do that sometime over that period of Friday night all the way to Sunday morning. Come here to the church. The church will be open night and day, and you just come in and, and do your assigned 30-minute time of, of praying. And you can do more than one if you'd like to, but there's a sign-up sheet for that out there too, so you can pick out some things. And uh, I just, I'm curious to see who the 4 a.m. people are because that's the, that's the hard shift. But we just want to go, I think it's like 37 hours. What, what is it? Josh, what's the, uh, where's Josh? Stepped out, okay. I think it's 37 hours is the way this thing shakes out. S but it, just a great way for us just to kind of really set the tone uh, for this coming year, okay? So hope, hope that you will uh, be a part of that. And I think I got everything that I wanted to mention to you. 
So uh, in, I'm going to introduce our guest speaker today, and it's me. And uh, so, hi everybody, I'm me. My name is Dana. I, uh, I've spoken here a few times, so you may remember me. I live in Colorado. We're in the process of uh, trying to sell our house there and get moved up here and, and be a part uh, with you. But it's exciting to be with you again this morning. And uh, we're in this uh, new year. I, I, I ran across this. I don't, I don't know if uh, any of you did this, but these are the worst excuses that people use for calling in not going to work during 2017. There's somebody whose job it is. You'd like to have this job? I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, assemble all the excuses that people make. That's somebody's job. So somebody did this. They put this together. The worst excuses for missing work in 2017. So one employee called to say that he left his clothes at the laundromat so he couldn't come to work. Uh, and I'm not, not sure I want to know exactly what he was not wearing or wearing or whatever when he couldn't come to work. Naked and afraid. There it is right there. Uh, uh, somebody else called, an employee called in and said a bear was in the yard and he was afraid to come out. So he couldn't go to work. It's a bear in the yard. Somebody else called in and said they ate a toothpick in their food at a restaurant. I don't know what restaurant that is. Stay away from that one. And uh, so he couldn't go to work. Somebody else called in, said their uniform didn't fit, so they called in fat. <laughs> so uh, that, that was their excuse. Somebody said their phone exploded and uh, their hand was hurting, so they, they couldn't come in. Uh, some lady called and said her dog swallowed the car keys, so she was waiting till it came out. <laughs> and then she would be there. <laughs> and I like this guy. He broke his arm wrestling a female bodybuilder. So he couldn't come to work. I, I don't know about that one. That's strange. Uh, one lady called, said she had to reschedule a manicure because some of her artificial nails came off, so she couldn't go to work. And uh, this guy said he'd love to come to work, but he didn't have enough gas to get to work, so he wasn't going to make it. I don't know how he's ever going to get enough gas to get to work if you don't go to work. But then I, I liked this one. Hey, boss, he said, I'm not sure how this solar eclipse, remember the big solar eclipse this year? This is, he called and he said, I'm not sure how this solar eclipse is going to affect me, so I think it would be a lot safer if I just stayed home from work today. <laughs> so so that, those were some of the lamest excuses for missing work 2017. Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, here we are. We're, we're seven days. Uh, this is the seventh day of January. Did you make a New Year's resolution, anybody? I mean, it's okay. It's, be brave enough to raise your hand if you made a New I'm not going to. Okay, good. Anybody else? Are you just like me? It's like, oh, I'll just take it as it comes. <laughs> I hate to say it. It's anything too grand there. Uh, no, some of you have already you've made, some, made some and you already gave up on your New Year's resolutions. And uh, so this is kind of a realistic moment for you this morning. You know, you know how it goes with these things. Sometimes it's like, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that every day. And, man, uh, I'm going for it and, and uh, once a day. And I promise and I'm sure. And this time it's going to be different. And, and, and some of you, you know, like... Yeah, and you're doing it, and you're doing fantastic on that, and good for you. Don't want to discourage you at all. Excellent. Good job on that. But today, I really want to take a bit of a twist on thinking about New Year because I think that things work best when they start with God and then follow with us. So next week, we'll kind of talk about some of so that part of things. But today, understanding that everything works better when God goes first, and we go second. So I don't want to start with, here's what I need to do and what I should do and what I'm going to do 
Instead, I'd like us to all leave today knowing exactly what God has signed up for in your life in 2018. Because before God is asking what are you going to do about your life and about your character and about your relationships and about your outlook and about your values and about your person and about your future, uh, before God's saying, what are you going to do about all these things? I think God wants us to hear this, that he is committed to us for this year. If you're taking notes this morning, you can just write that in right there. God is committed to me. He's committed to me. Before I even start thinking about being committed to him, he's committed to me. And he signed up to the process of making you the person that he's always dreamed that you would be because he created you. But before he created you, he actually designed you. He thought about you and designed you. I love this passage in Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Isn't that a powerful passage from Psalm 139 to think that God has thought that much about you and still is thinking about you? But he started thinking about you before you were, before you knew you, <laughs> before your parents knew you. He was thinking about you back from the beginning of creation. And way back then, he was committed to you. He didn't just make a New Year's resolution for 2018 and say, you know what? I think I'm going to be committed to you for this year. That's my resolution. No, he's been committed to you from before you were born and going all the way back to the foundations of the world. He was committed to you, and he's been committed to you the whole time. He isn't like, ah, not today. He's been committed to you faithfully every single day. So it isn't just God giving life to you and putting you on earth and saying, hey, good luck. I hope everything works out well for you. That's not it at all. But he's saying, I'm committed to you today, and just as I was on that very first day of creation, and I think he wants us to know that he is committed to us and that he has signed up for something special in our lives, in your life, uh, for this year. He's committed to you, and he's committed to me. We're going to get into uh, the eighth chapter of Romans today. If you brought your Bible, just open it up. Go right over there to book of Romans chapter number eight. There's Bibles right uh, uh, in, in your chairs there, and I think uh, I'm just going to give you a page number. I think it was like... like Nine nine eight seventeen or nine eighteen, nine sixteen. Okay, so go right in there and and uh, you find page nine sixteen. That should land you right at Romans chapter eight. Uh, that's assuming that all of these Bibles are the same ones in the chairs, and I don't even know that, but we'll, we'll assume that that's the case. And if the words are all different, then we were wrong. But uh, Romans eight one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I always get excited when I see that phrase, set me free, because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. 
He's set us free from chains, from bondage. So being set free is always good. Have you ever been in prison? Have you ever been tied up? Have you ever been in some bondage? When you've been set free, what a great feeling. He set us free from the law of sin and death. I'd like you to go home. I wish we had time to work through the whole chapter today, and, and we don't. But go home and read this whole chapter for sure. And, you know, it starts out with this therefore, and whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you want to see what it's there for. So you, you go back and read all of Romans. Romans is fantastic. Man, what a, what a tremendous book of the Bible. It's, many people think it's just the greatest uh, ever written right there. Tremendous things. That Romans 8 is, is very tremendous also. So if you would maybe just make it your goal today or s- at least sometime early this week, read through that whole chapter of Romans 8. There'll be a test next week. I'm going to ask you how many of you read Romans 8. So uh, get in there and do that. There's so many wonderful blessings that are talked about here. No condemnation starting right there. No condemnation to those who are in Christ That's amazing right there because we know what it is to carry condemnation in our own lives because most of us can say, oh, man, I feel bad about that, and I wish I wouldn't have done that, and I blew that. And and so we're pretty good at condemning ourselves, and sometimes we carry around this thing that God is mad at me, and he's condemning me for things. But there is no condemnation at all to those who are in Christ because of the amazing grace that he has given to us don't you love amazing grace? Because you better love it because it, you, you, you don't have a chance if, if it wasn't for amazing grace. Because there's not one person in this room that could ever do enough or be enough or try hard enough to earn their way into the presence of God. You can't do it. You say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to be better than everybody else on my block. That's for sure. Well, that's very nice. But it still doesn't even get you close to what God's perfect holy standard is. So you need amazing grace. I need amazing grace. And guess what? It's been given to us in Jesus Christ. So that's pretty exciting right there. So we have that. We are forgiven. doesn't matter what you've done. Oh, yeah, but I've done some. That's okay. That's forgiven. Yeah, but you don't know. It's okay. It's forgiven. He's forgiven everything. That's good. We are justified, which means we're made new. God doesn't just say, you know what, you're forgiven, but you are still damaged goods as far as I'm concerned. No, he doesn't do that. You're justified, made completely clean, just as if I'd, as I always remember how this word defines just as if I'd never sinned, made completely new. We are clothed in his righteousness. So you're not wearing your own, oh, I'm going to try really, really hard to be good this year and to be holy and then God will be. No, no, we don't have to do that at all. He gives us his righteousness to put on and we give away our unrighteousness. We throw it at the foot of the cross. We put on his righteousness that he's given to us. This is great. We're adopted by him. That means we've been chosen. We're not an accident in his family. He chose us. He says, I want you to be part of my family. We're heirs. We've got VIP access to the Father. You don't ever, I just wish somebody else would pray for me because God doesn't listen to me. Yes, he does. You have VIP first class, boldness, access to come before God and to talk to him as one of his children, as a person who's 
put their faith in Christ, you have that ability to come in, and I've got, whoo, I can go right in and talk to him. So these are great, great blessings. And as we begin 2018, no condemnation, no guilt trips. Doesn't matter if you messed up. Maybe, you, maybe you've never messed up. I don't know. Uh, if, if you've never messed up, we do have a, like a chair up here. This is the perfect chair. You come up and sit in the perfect chair. It's right here. Nobody's sitting in it again this week. I mentioned this before. Still no one is sitting in the perfect chair, so I'm assuming that everyone knows, you know what, I, I have messed up. So that's okay because there's grace for us. Thank God. It doesn't mean just, oh, just live any way you want. No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it means even though I've messed up and I'm, I'm broken over that and I don't want to live that way, I, I want to live in a way that pleases him. But that's not, I'm not doing that to try to get saved. I want to do that because he's loved me so much. That's part of our response, definitely. But he's given us his grace. He's given us his mercy. I love that the Bible says that his mercies run out if you go through uh, enough of them. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says his mercies are actually new, not just every year, but every, anybody know? Every morning. His mercies are new every morning. So it's like we think, oh, I went through a lot of mercy. That's probably all God has. No? There's a new supply (laughs) coming up in the morning. Every morning, his mercies are fresh and new. There's enough mercy for you because of Christ. Let's go to this ninth verse. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. This is life-giving stuff here. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You see, it said it several times, the spirit of God lives in you. And some of you are like, "Uh, is this where I'm supposed to get excited? Yes, (laughs) it is. Because you're like, well, I read the paper today, and I read somebody's blog, and now I'm reading the Word of God. And it's like, okay, just, uh, you know, just lots of stuff. And I don't know, if you can't get excited about this kind of truth, then you'd kind of be like one of the people who's like, hey, honey, by the way, I forgot to tell you, uh, we won the lottery, 60 million bucks yesterday. I had a lot of errands and stuff on my mind, so I forgot to mention it, you know, whatever. Who cares, really? Maybe you're one of those people, uh, or, you know, you just, you just don't get excited very easily. Did you hear about the big trade, big, big basketball trade that happened? Just, it was just this morning. Incredible blockbuster trade for, uh, for the Utah team. They get uh, LeBron James and James Harden and Russell Westbrook and DeMarcus Cousins and DeAndre Jordan and Anthony, Anthony Davis. They're all coming uh, to be part of the Utah team. Pretty amazing. Isn't that, that quite a trade? Anybody big basketball fans in here? It's like, you're not believing me, are you? No, um, it's not true. But, I mean, if it was true, it would be really exciting. Some of you, I'm not even a basketball fan, so just move on. Okay, well, whatever gets you excited, I want you to think about that. Um, Somebody this morning just uh, 
donated $2 million for the new building. That's not true either. But, you <laughs> but the day isn't over yet, so it could still happen. But, I mean, there are things that really get us going with excitement. This is good. And here it is. This, is, this should excite us because what this has just said is the Spirit of Christ lives inside of you. The same Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's power, that same Spirit is living inside of you, and that should be a like, whoo! Can we try that? Just maybe, just, you can make it small if you want to. Woo! Okay, woo! Okay, you're coming along. Uh, hopefully by the time we get in, you get a little more excited here. Uh, Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Therefore, because the Spirit of Christ is living in us, therefore we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. Conversation, by the way, going on here. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So there's a conversation that's going on inside of you the Spirit is testifying with our spirit that, yes, you're a child of God. You're one of His children. Connection. It's just right there. You were in a large room filled with people and a bunch of moms in there. I don't think any of you would be confused as to which one was your mom. I don't think you had to go up and are you my mom? No? Okay. Maybe you. Are you my mom? No, you know who your mom is, right? Because that, that connection... That connection is there. This is the same kind of thing. Twins separate at birth. They can bring them into the same room, and they connect immediately. Okay? Why is that? Because they're made of the same stuff, just a drawing that's there. Peter writes that we've been made partakers of the divine nature. Not that you're a god, but you have something of, of him that's living inside of you. And so, man, there is that connection that is right there. And so the Spirit himself... Having a conversation, yes, yes, you're one of God's children. You belong to him. You're in the family, yes. If you have made Christ the center point of your life, said, I'm following him, I'm trusting him as my Savior, you're one of his children. Now, we get to verse 17, and everything changes here. If, big if, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So, uh-oh, it looks like there might be some tough times in the cards for each of us, not just an easy walk in the park. I mean, all of this wonderful blessing that's being talked about in Romans 8, you know, mercy, no condemnation, children of God, sonship, the heirs of God, partakers of the divine nature. We're, we're just on this roll. Everything is great. And then we get here to the 17th verse, and then it's like... Screech, everything grinds to this halt. The music goes into minor key, and things get really, really real. If, if. 
And the condition is that you've got to hang on in here in faith and belief in what God is doing in your life. You can't bail out on him. And not bailing out on him means that you need to understand that there's going to be a difficult road sometimes in your following Christ here on earth. That's truth. But then there is huge, huge, huge payoff at the end of the day. And I, I mean, it would be great to say that 2018 is just going to be whatever you want it to be for your life. You just, you know, visualize it and say it, and that's what it'll be for you. But that's not true because we're in a fight. We're in a broken, sin-filled, upside-down, messed-up world. There's light and there's darkness There's spiritual warfare, spiritual struggle that's going on. There's living for God. There's not living for God. There's spiritual stuff at stake going on in our lives. So God would just say to us, all these blessings that I've mentioned here early in Romans and and throughout Romans, they're true. But 2018 might not be a bed of roses because life does get hard And I want you to keep hanging on to the truth of who you are in me and who I am in you all the way through to the very end. And then there's a huge payoff for us. Look at verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The second word in this verse, consider, it was originally written using this word. It's a Greek word, logizomai, which literally means bookkeeping calculations, followed by a pronouncement of fact. Paul is saying, I've done the math on this, and I'm banking on this. He is absolutely convinced of this truth. What truth? That I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so as Paul was convinced of this, I would like you to be convinced of this also. I would like for us as a church to be convinced of this truth, to be solid on this, to know and consider and to be convinced that any sufferings that we go through are not even worthy comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed in us and to us and and usward. And Paul, by the way, he knew what suffering was like. He wasn't a stranger to it. He went through some tough, tough times. He's like, yes, I've, I've been arrested, and I've been thrown in prison, and I've been chained up like an animal, and I've been deprived of food and water, and I've, I've been huddled up in the freezing cold, and I've been without anything to wear, and I've had people hunting me down and, and trying to destroy me in my life, and I've been whipped and beat up and tortured and left for dead, and, and ultimately he was killed for his faith. He says, but I'm telling you something, and this stuff hurts, and it's very, very real, but, and it's not fun, but I want you to know something. You can't even put this in the same sentence with the glory that's coming. He didn't just say, you know, it's kind of a little iffy, you know, what's... You know, he said it's not even worthy to be compared, the glory. This, this stuff that we go through is just, it's just a blip. I've got to see if I can find another blip here. And I did, I was lucky. I don't know if we... 
vacuum often enough up here or not, but there's a, there's a little blip of something, and I don't know what this is from. And uh, Bruce, you helped me out in early service, so I want you to verify again that this is a true thing. I'm not, this isn't imaginary. This is a little, yeah. I, what is it? I don't know, confetti or something? I don't know what it is. Okay, we'll, we'll go with that. So this is our blip, and uh, we're going to put this down here. I hope you can see this. I know you can't see it, but, but Bruce just verified it as a real blip. We're going to put it down right here, and uh, that's, that's the blip, and that's um, stuff that we go through, and, and just think of the rest of the room as being eternity, and think of it as being filled with glory. And, and you know what we do? We, we focus on our sufferings, don't we? And we're so locked into that little blip that we, we can't see anything else. We can't even... We can't even get a hold of the fact that this is why Paul says, I know suffering, but that's just a blip. Because when I lay my sufferings down with the whole idea of what glory is, it's not even worthy to be compared. That's why I want you to get a hold of that because so many of us, this is all we see. We see the tiny little blip, and it, it doesn't, I know it doesn't look tiny when we're going through it. It looks like all-encompassing, right? When you're going through stuff, when your heart is being ripped out by something, when you're going through a, a, a struggle, when you're going through a trial, it's hard to see anything. It's hard to think of anything else but that. Oh, I know that. I'm not talking to you as somebody that doesn't know what hardship is like, what brokenness is like. I know it. You know it. So I'm not here to minimize that at all. I'm just telling you that that is just a small grain compared to this big thing that God is up to and the glory that will be revealed in your life. And so I know some of you are thinking, uh, why are you telling me this? Because this truth of glory that will be revealed in us is going to help us in the moments of when we're lost in the blip and that's all we can see and feel and think we can have this big picture I know some of you are thinking well what's this all about I don't need trouble I came to church today because I was hoping it would help me not to have trouble <laughs> and uh, doesn't praying coming to church and praying help us, uh, you know, and make sure that everything works out good in our life. Yes, it does, but it's not always now. It's more big picture. It might be then, it might be now, but it will work out. I promise you that. I promise you that. But this year, instead of thinking about and being consumed about the now of my life, how about if we still are conscious of the now, but we begin to raise up a little bit and see with a little bit more perspective about it's not just now, it's also then. And so it's not that I close my eyes to the now and say, I, I, I'm just going to pretend that doesn't exist. That's not what I'm talking about. That would be ridiculous. So it's like, yes, this is real. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's not fun. Yes, I am overwhelmed. Yes, I'm confused. Yes, I don't know what's going on sometimes in my life. That's the blip that's there, but I'm going to peek over that and get a picture of then. And when I do that, then I realize that this suffering that I'm going through right now is not even worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's going to 
work out because God is at work. So instead of just thinking about the now, why did this happen? Why isn't God changing it? Why is this life so hard? I can't make sense of this. Instead of just doing that, let's put this in the perspective that he has. I want to give you four things this morning uh, as we kind of start landing the plane here that uh, God has signed up to do for you for this year. Number one, God is going to pray for you. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write it this way. God is going to pray for me. And I know I'm blowing your mind a little bit on that one already because you're thinking, wow, uh, no, I think I pray to God. I think that's the way that works. Yes, that's true, but he prays for you more than you ever pray to him. Romans 8.26, look at this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. There's another verse, same principle. Verse 34, later in the chapter. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So there is the same idea there. Now, in verse 34, one we just read, uh, it's about justice and, and about you know saying, hey, there is no condemnation because of the work of Christ. But in verse 26 and 27, where we're focused, it's about when we're weak and when we're overwhelmed in our life. And somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to jump in there and intercede for you. Man. Because he's overwhelmed. She's overwhelmed. And so I'm going to intercede. I, they're going under. I'm going to pray for them. Boy, how would your life be different if you could just think of this and, and, and just kind of visualize it? If you just knew that the Holy Spirit was sitting next to you in your life every day praying for you, would that change things a little bit for you in your life? It's like you're going, to, oh, there's a temptation. And you're like, the Holy Spirit's over there. Oh. When you're just feeling like, I'm so weak, I'm about ready to go under. I need somebody to pray for me, to know that the Holy Spirit is there interceding for you. It would just kind of, man, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make this. The Holy Spirit's praying for me. Some of you have someone in your life who prays for you. Maybe they've prayed for you your whole life. Maybe you've got a mom, a godly mom, or a dad, or a grandma, or something like that. You're here today because somebody... While you were going your own way, somebody else was praying for you and kind of covering your life in prayer. You know what I'm talking about? It's like that, that's some serious prayer cover. You know you got that in your life. Well, I'm talking about, let's up the level even higher. I'm talking about serious, serious cover for your life. You're being prayed for by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is praying for us. He's praying for you. And uh, I, can I tell you what he's praying, by the way? Would that, would that be good to know exactly what he is praying? Yes, it would. Okay. So I, I'm sure you're, because th- you're thinking, oh, I'm sure it's something along the lines of, I hope, uh, you know, let, let's just, you know, let them have a happy new year and no troubles and, and uh, get a new car and a new job and maybe a husband or a wife or whatever. And say, you know what? And that's nice if you get all that this year. Nothing wrong with that. But it's a lot bigger. What he's praying for is a lot bigger in your life. And some of you, I know you think, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. Do you ever feel that way? I just want to know his will. Well, guess what? Good news for you. The answer is right here in the Bible. 
God's will for you is right here in the Bible. Who knew that the answer would be right there? Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, don't let that word shake you up there, it's just the idea that God's, he's at work, man, he's been at work. He predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. There it is. That's God's will. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So what is he praying? Here's what he's praying, that you would be like Jesus. That's his will for you. His will is that you would be like Jesus. Well, I just want to know what can of soup he wants me to buy from the grocery store. Buy whichever one you want. But his will for you is to be like Jesus. And do you know what makes us like Jesus? Most of the time, it's the uncomfortable stuff in our life. It's the stuff we hate. It's the stuff we're saying, Lord, don't let me have any of that going on in my life because that's hard. And a lot of times, that's the stuff he's using to make you like Jesus. It's the application of God's truth during your temptations and during your stress and during your upheaval and when you're being mistreated and when things aren't going well that you start really growing. Now, we're not very enthused about that, I, I know. But God is committed to you. And he's using these things. And he's committed to you and he's praying for you. He's praying, oh, Lord. Oh, wait a minute. I am Lord, so oh me, uh, <laughs> help Susie to have a really great year this year. And you're like, that's exactly what I want him to be praying. No, he's, he's saying make her like Jesus. Make him like Jesus. That's what he's praying for you. And that takes us to number two. God is committed to using everything in your life for good. Everything in your life for good. Verse 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So there's nothing coming your way this next year. I don't know what's coming your way. He does. But there's nothing coming your way in 2018 that God will say, oh, man, I did not see that coming. <laughs> I can't work with that. Don't know what we're going to do about that thing. You know, I didn't <laughs> divorce. Didn't, didn't see that at all. You know, that's going to throw a kink in my plan. It's going to be hard to make you like Christ now. No, he's still going to be at work in all these things. He said, I promised I was committed to you. I promised to pray for you. I promised to use everything in your life for good. It might be painful, but I'm going to use it for your good. Here's the third thing I want you to know for 2018. God is for you. Again, you're writing notes. God is for me. Just write it personal. God's for me. Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is, doesn't really matter. <laughs> Not that you wouldn't have anything against you, but there's no comparison again. That's the whole idea. As you assess your life and think about 2018 and wonder who's on your team or who's in your corner, know this, God is for you. We know that he opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble and the broken and, and the hurting. That's, that's what he does. You might say this year, you know what, I don't know what's going on, but here's what I do know. God is committed to me. He's praying for me. He's for me. 
And if God is for me, then who can be against me? And here's the proof. He who did not spare his own son, it says, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He's for you. And here's number four. God loves you. Again, if you're writing, make it personal. God loves me. Oh, I'm not, I'm not talking about the, let's all sing the Sunday school st- song, Jesus loves me, this I know. I'm talking about something that is so deep and so, it just carries you through life. His love is invincible and unshakable. And you can write that down. In fact, I'll just add a third one. It's not in the notes that I put together for you, but invincible, unshakable. Let's add a third one, unstoppable, because that's how powerful his love is for you. Look at this verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I like how I mentioned uh, death or life there, and I, I know some people are like, uh, I'm afraid of death. If you're a follower of Christ, you don't have to be afraid of death at, at all. I'm not afraid of death. I, I'm, very, uh, I'm very excited to be with the Lord. I, I hope it's not today, but I mean, whenever, that, that's fine, okay? It's life that, I don't know if you relate to this, but sometimes life is hard. Some of you are like, no, life's easy. Death's scary. Well, either one. Nothing can separate you from his love. It's, it's that powerful. It's, that pow- it's invincible. It's unshakable. It's unstoppable. And, and this passage just brings us out so beautifully. You are loved right now with an invincible, unshakable, unstoppable love. Happy New Year to you, by the way. God is committed to you for this year. He's praying for you. He's going to work out his purpose in you for this year. He's going to use everything that happens to you for your good. He is for you. Who's going to stand against you? He loves you with an invincible, unshakable, unstoppable love. Happy New Year. That's the way to start. Amen? Okay. There we go. There we go. Well, Lord, we thank you so much as we get into your word there and we, we read about these uh, wonderful blessings that you've given to us. They're, they're amazing. And uh, there's some minor key stuff in there about some struggles and some hardships. And I, I pray, Lord, for those that maybe are they're in that right now or maybe they will go through that this year, that they'll keep perspective and not focus only on the, the right now, but, but be able to just look over the top and see the then, that the blip right now isn't eternity. It's not everything. And... These sufferings are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us for us. And help us to keep that in perspective, the 
the now and the then together. Lord, we're thankful for these blessings in our life, and, and will you just help us to get a hold of this? You're going to use everything in our life. You're at work in our life. You're for us. And Lord, we just respond with a heart that says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a great God you are. And we love you and honor you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come back next week so we get figure, uh, finish up the second part of this, okay? <laughs> Josh. Amen. All right, church, as we get into some more words,